We're going to dive into the Word today, and we're going to look at what I believe are a way that God reveals something greater, a greater reality about this institution of motherhood that He created. If you are just joining us today, we're in this series called The End of Me, uh, and, and basically what it means is this, this idea of when we come to the end of ourselves is when true life begins. We've been exploring some of the paradoxes of Scripture, the paradoxes of Jesus' teaching and the kingdom of God that He ushered in this upside-down kingdom. And when He came, and I don't have this Scripture up for you today, but the, the key passage is when Jesus says, if you want to gain your life, you'll lose it for my sake. And there's a paradox. Paradox is something that sounds a bit crazy, something sounds a bit absurd, but when we dive into the meaning of it, it, it really has a lot of meaning. Where Jesus said, if you want to gain your life, you lose it for my sake. But if you want to lose your life, or if you want to lose your, if you want to lose your life, you, you, will, you will go after the things that this world has to offer. So what he's talking about is eternally. And then he says that what does a prophet man to gain the world, but yet lose a fourth of his soul? So you get everything that you want, that you think you want, and you lose your own soul. Last week we looked at this idea of what it meant it, it, is to be strong, you must be weak. And that's what Paul said. That boast of my weakness so that the power of Christ can be seen in and through me. And so to be truly strong, I'm weak because I want his strength and not just rely on my own strength. So these paradoxes of Jesus and the kingdom of God. And you will see as we go through this series that Jesus is ushering in, uh, I, I believe, a greater truth than, than what this world has to offer. And so, when you come to the end of yourself, that's when you find true life. It's the core foundation of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. So, today, in honor of Mother's Day, I want to share with you how I see motherhood revealed the gospel. And I believe that it fits very well into our sermon series, The End of Me. And so God reveals so much of Himself in relationships in His creation. How He did things, why He did things. At the very beginning when He's creating and He is, you know, putting the creative order of things together and He speaks and world, you know, the, the world comes into existence. He said, let there be light and there is light and then he goes through and we read in Genesis this, this creation that God, through his creativity, and then what's so cool is we can enjoy to go outside and go to parts of the world and we can see great beauty. And just think of it as beautiful as mountains and oceans or whatever you feel is beautiful. That's actually a fractured version of what God originally intended. But it is his creativity. It is his creation. And we know that the psalmist says that part of God's creation, part of the plan, so some, some people would say, you know, like, you know, we're just one of many galaxies and there's, you know, stars upon stars and planets upon planets and all these galaxies that are out there. And some people would just say, why in the world would God do that? Well, the psalmist gives us an indication that everything God does declares His glory and His handiwork. That people would look and they would say, whoa, there has to be a God. And I know there's some people that don't. There's some people that think that it was just by chance or some sort of chaotic idea that all of a sudden through chaos, perfect order came into being. I, don't, I, don't, I just don't get that. But 
all the planetary systems are revolving in such a way that it's, I mean, it's perfect. And you guys have heard it if we're one degree closer to the sun, we are incinerated. If we're one degree, you know, uh, farther away from the sun, we freeze to death. And all of this order we see, God's order, God's creation, and God is speaking of His order. And that He, although there might be, it might seem chaotic because of sin and brokenness, God is very much in control. And He is working. And we see that why He did the things He did point to who He is and the greater reality of who He is. And then He gets to people. He creates people. And I just think that this is interesting. God did not create man and woman because God was lonely. If you've heard that, erase that from your memory. That is just a wrong thought. God needs nothing. He needs no one. He is sufficient in Himself. He wasn't up there going, man, I'm really lonely. I think I'll create people. Like Matt Chandler says, it's not like he's going to create a bunch of selfish glory things because he was lonely. It's just it's not true. But even in creating people, there was something intentional and purposeful about why he did it. There was a thought and there was a plan behind it. It wasn't just random chaos of saying, I'm bored, I'll make people do that. God doesn't make mistakes, and He has intention with every life, and that is why I believe every single life is precious to God. Every life is precious to God. If we believe that God is who He said He is, that He is Creator, and we don't value every single stage of life Beginning at conception, it is an egregious error on our part. God values every life that begins with conception. In fact, I would say this, it doesn't just begin with conception, it began on His heart at the foundation of the earth. When God was saying, let there be life, He had you and me and every human being on planet earth that will ever live, that has ever lived on His heart because He is a God that is intentional about what he does. Every life has purpose. Every life has purpose. And so how and why God created people like he did. Let's look at Genesis 1, 26 and 27. It's intentionality of God. Okay, you gotta understand he's very intentional, very purposeful. Then God said, Let us, who's the us? Different thing, he didn't just say, let me, we see kind of a picture of the Trinity. We see God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We understand in John 1 that Jesus was their creation. He's equal to God the Holy Spirit. Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all creatures that move along the ground. Verse 27, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them. Intentionality, purpose, we have it right there at the very beginning. God had intention of why he did what he did. So God created mankind. In the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them. As men and women, we are image bearers of God. Yes, God created animals, He created trees and plants and all the other things that we enjoy, but we 
We are the top of His creation. We are the affection of His creation. He created us and He loves us deeply. He doesn't need us, but He loves us and He chose mankind, man and woman, to put His image upon them, to be the image bearers of God. If you are male, you are male by God's design. To bear His image as a male, to fulfill His calling and purpose for your life as a male. If you are a female, you are a female by God's design. To bear His image as a female, to fulfill His calling for your life as a female. It's not accidental. There are no mistakes. You are who you are by God's design. Amen? I'm going to make you say it if you don't agree with it. Amen. I guess I need to say amen. Okay. God's designed to make us male and female. And I, and I understand all the stuff that's in culture. We live in a counterculture kingdom that we believe that God has intentional. I believe every life is precious. I believe, I believe every life is a gift from God. And all this argument about when does life begin and we are so easy just to you know, uh, say, well, life doesn't begin this and women have this choice. And let, me, let me just pause real quick and I understand what culture says, but if we believe God, if we have fear to God, and we say, I'm a Christian, I believe in God, and I follow God, and I believe in if He is the Creator, then it's His choice that a, that a child is conceived. We remove the idea that it's anyone else's choice. So, I, yes, I am pro choice. I'm pro God's choice. And there should be no human being making decisions for God. I'll just put that stamp in there. You can tell your friends that I said it too. Because it's in the Bible. And we follow God. I know there's other things, in, 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 and we have this hot topic in, 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 in our culture, gender neutrality, male, female, what is it? God is intentional. Male and female, He created them. It, it, don't be mad at me. It's in the Bible. And if we believe in God and we ask you, God is creator. He says, I want man and woman, male, female, nothing else, not in between, not something else. Male and female is an intentionality to say they're going to be image bearers of God. Now, with that said, we live in a fallen, broken, hurting world. We should treat people with respect and love as Jesus did. Now, I'm passionate about my beliefs, but we also have to say we, we can't just throw out stuff without seasoning it with grace. Yes, Jesus spoke truth when he spoke it in, he spoke truth in love. A lot of people are hurting. A lot of people are searching. And we must be very careful as a church to, yes, stand firm on God's truth, yet give abundant grace. And to say that God offers healing, we are sinners too. We are broken too. And when someone is going through something and there are confusion and there's hurt, we have no idea that the pain that they may have endured that has brought them to this. And we must love them and point them to Jesus every day. Amen? So, yes, there's a passage by the result of the grace of God. We can't isolate as ourselves as a church and just say, we're going to create these sides and we're going to draw a line in the sand. Yes, you draw a line so you understand, but, but then you can't cross over it. Jesus crossed over that line and he embraced people. And yes, he spoke truth to them. He loved them enough not to leave them in their sin, but he approached them and he was among them. That's why the Pharisees got so angry with him. 
friend of sinners. You were with them. You were hanging out with them. And the Jewish man hanging out with a woman as well who is a Samaritan. That's, that's the Jesus we know. And he gave her a drink of living water. And he said, I am who you are searching for. But there's intentionality about how God did the things that he did, why he did what he did. We have attributes in us all that reveal things about who God is. The differences between men and women. Now again, I know that there's sometimes that men can be more, you know, men can have more of a nurturing thing. And, you know, these are not blanket statements that always, but generally the differences that you see you know, the way we see things, the way we perceive things, but the way we parent, God has given the differences in intentionality to be compliments one to another, right? They're intended to, they're intended to compliment each other. That's what marriage is. Marriage is intended not to let our differences be a war, but let our differences actually be something that complements one another. That's the way God did it. And He created us to meet Him in the midst of it. But the way we see things, the way we perceive things, you know, I, I see it every day. Certain things, the way my wife sees things, the way she perceives things, the way she approaches the, the kids, and I, I, I just don't, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I don't have that intuition, if you will. It doesn't make me a bad parent. It's just I see certain things a certain way. If she sees them another way. It's the mom goggles, right? You know, they... Uh, you know, all of a sudden we're able to see like mom. What a gift. And sometimes they need to see like us because men, we are, we are there to compliment. And God creates us the way we see things. Again, perceive things. God has all these qualities in and of himself. He is called Father. And the Holy Spirit is called the Comforter. And that isn't any way to say that God is male and the Holy Spirit is female. God is God is the Spirit. We know that Jesus was a man. Jesus, He revealed God. And, and I mean, He spoke to God as Father and spoke to Him in the masculine sense. But that doesn't mean that we just all of a sudden define God as male. He's a Spirit. But Jesus Himself is His Father in Him, and He, there's something, the, the, the masculinity of God, if you will. That's why I would not say God, my mother, um, because Jesus didn't. But we have the attributes of God found uh, in Himself, and we, we see it played out in us as men and women. We're all image bearers. That's what that passage says, that we are male by design, female by design, and we reveal the attributes of God. But God's the Spirit, and we're created in His image. And we're all created in His image and His likeness. He encompasses all that is good about each of the sections and reveals Himself through each. And so God created male and female and brought them together in the first marriage. And so God is doing something. Again, He creates all this stuff, creates Adam. It's not good for him to be alone. I'm going to create him a suitable helpmate. And I'm going to give him woman. That was the best day of Adam's life. I can tell you that. I'm not going to do that preacher joke. I almost did that preacher joke, and I'm not going to do it. You guys are going to be wondering. I'm not going to do it. It's cheesy, and I'm not going to do it. But some of you guys go, I used to say, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. And I almost did it myself. 
And now you're wondering what it is, right? Okay. <laughs> God creates man, creates woman, and the man names her. Whoa, man. So bad. So bad. You hear what I'm doing? But God's intentional about how He creates and in relationship. Again, it was not just, you know, there's something like bigger reality. He didn't say, well, man's alone, and I'll just give him a helpmate, and uh, so that he's not alone. God is revealing something about His mission. There's intentionality. It's not just that God was surprised. You know, he was kind of lonely. What, what should we do? I don't know. Let's create a woman. It's not like that. There was intentionality. Behind it, and so God creates the first institution. And here's another: the institution of marriage, God did. It was His idea. He designed it. He's got the blueprint on it. We can't redefine it. We can't do it. God's already defined it. God's already designed it. This is the very beginning. God's idea. He's got the blueprint on this thing, and we see He sets up this institution called marriage: a man and a woman that would. Be a compliment. Their differences would be a compliment to each other. The second institution that God creates is family. He tells them, be fruitful and multiply. You guys don't have to go to health class for that. What are you telling them to do? Be fruitful, multiply. Have babies. Have a family. The husband, the wife, marriage, male, female, becoming mother and father. Revealing the attributes of God is intentional. But God is revealing something greater by doing what He did. What does Paul tell us about marriage in Ephesians 5? Remember, he says, Husbands love your wives, as Christ loves the church. And he gives us all that, you know, wives submit your husbands. Before that, he says, Submit one to another. We won't get into all of that. You know, um, there's this idea of complementary relationships going on. Husbands and wives, the roles of husbands and wives. Paul is speaking to husbands and he speaks to wives, but he gets to the end and he says something very profound. He says, but I'm speaking to you of a mystery. So the Ephesians church, they're like, you know, and we, you know, you can read it and go, okay, he's telling us about husbands and wives, which he is. And he said, there's, there's, there's a greater reality. He said, but I'm speaking to you a mystery. This is about Christ and the church. And so your marriage is not just about you. In fact, you're secondary in your marriage. Marriage is about Jesus. Marriage is about the gospel. The, the, the idea that God would bring two people together like he did, he was pointing to the greater reality of Christ when Christ would come. That's what Paul said. Husbands, love your wives like Christ loves the church. And so, when God creates marriage, he's saying, I'm revealing the gospel through, the, through marriage. And so every marriage points to the gospel. So, because here's what, and, and, and it's amazing. God takes these two imperfect human beings and says, "We're going to bring it together." And we have stardust in our eyes when we first, you know, it's like we're going to be different. We'll never have any problems because love will carry us through. You better have Jesus carrying you through. That's all I got to say. And isn't it amazing in the mystery and the profoundness of God? You're imperfect, you're imperfect. Okay, jump in here and go for it. What? But she, but he. And we're pointing fingers, and if they would just... 
you see what I'm saying? It, it's hard. Marriage is hard. Family is hard. And then God says, all right, you two perfect individuals, we're going to give you some imperfect little lightnesses under yourself to take care of. Good luck. <laughs> God wouldn't say that. But isn't it interesting that he would do that? You're imperfect, you're imperfect, let's try marriage. All right, you're both still imperfect, now take care of your children. And we're like, what in the world? So God was intentional by doing that because He wanted to reveal something greater. He's trying to reveal the gospel. He's revealing redemption. He's revealing the desperate need of Him. We pray a lot when we have kids. God, help me. Sometimes it's for mercy. Sometimes it's, God, please. I don't know what to do. But He's revealing so much of Himself. And Paul says this mystery of husband and wife reveals the gospel. It's revealing Christ in the And family is the same way. Children the same way. The fatherhood, fathers and mothers. God is revealing something about the institution that He set up about male, female, fathers and mothers. Something about His heart to reveal to the world that He is real. It's by intentionality. It points to Christ. It reveals the relational heart of God. We hear a lot about the Father heart of God because Jesus said, you know, our Father who art in heaven, and He talks about God as His Father. And we talk a lot about that, and I think that we understand that just a little bit more because Jesus talks about God as our Father. But I don't think that we've ever really explored the attributes of God's mothering heart. And I'm not saying He's a female or a you know, don't get weirded out, but he's created women in his image. Women are image bearers of Christ just as much as men are. Mothers, there's something about a mother, just like there's something about a father that reveals God's father heart. There's something about mothers that reveal God's mothering heart to people. It reveals to the world who he is. And that's why marriage and family is more than just a gift of human relationship. God did not just say, well, I'm giving you this gift. It is a gift. Marriage is a gift. Family is a gift. The human relationships are a gift. But they're not intended to turn in on themselves, but they are intended to reveal something, the greater reality of who Christ is. The gospel, salvation, redemption, forgiveness, repentance. We need it all. And so when... People see marriage. And that's why I believe that marriage comes under attack. Family comes under attack because the enemy hates it. If Paul says this, he says that a husband and wife, a married couple, reveal Christ in the church, they're a constant reminder to the enemy that Christ in the church. And then people see marriage, it's Christ in the church. When people see family, uh, a father, they, it, it, it's about the father heart of God. And that's why the enemy does not like the institution of marriage and family. And why it's always under attack. Because God's revealing something about Himself. And ultimately, our human relationships are not about us. They're about Him. Look at Isaiah 49, 15. You'll recognize this. This is Isaiah writing about God. He said, Can a mother forget the baby of her breast? Have no compassion in the child she has born. Those she may forget, in other words, he's saying that in human beings, there, there's times when there's neglect and there's hurt and pain, right? But we have, we have this idea that Isaiah's painting is nothing more profound than a mother with a child, right? We talk about the mama bear syndrome, right? You get in the kids and they swipe the face. 
Women that can, you know, like somehow lift the car up off their kid when the kid is trapped has happened. Mama bear in the house. And God is saying, can a mother forget the beauty of the breast and have no compassion on the child she's born so soon again? I will not forget you. See, I've engraved you on the palm of my hand. Guys, let that be God's love passage to you today. Every human life is precious to God. And he said, all those human relations, although you see broken with the human, they might forget. But he, he is still pointing to most women, most moms, they, they cannot forget. They have compassion. Even moms who may have given up their children, I guarantee you they remember. And God says, I can't forget you. You're engraved on the palm of my hand. And so he's revealing something about the mother part of his, his, his compassion. The compassion of a mom. That's what the Holy Spirit, I think, tends to maybe operate in some of those maternal qualities. He's called comforter, counselor, teacher. What do dads do when a kid hits their knee? Throw some dirt in it. Just walk it, walk it off. You'll be fine. Sometimes kids need that. I get it. But moms are not going to do that. Moms are like, oh, you know, let's clean it off and then keep milking the dad's going just like the kid. You know, he's not hurt that bad. Right? It's comforting. There's counseling. There's this nurturing idea of compassion. I'm not, dad, I'm not going off on you that you say you can't do that. We, we all do it. We just don't, it, it, we don't naturally operate in it like a mom does. The Holy Spirit is one who comes alongside, and that's moms. Your dads are there to give the guidance. Sometimes teach with moms to go, come alongside. Not that dad can't do it. I'm not saying that he's asking to see more moms. And so how does motherhood reveal the gospel in Jesus as we have that kind of our setup? Number one is motherhood. Let's go to the next slide. Motherhood is what? Number one. Boom. Mother, it is death to yourself. God's set of relationships that we would die to ourselves, right? Marriage should be began with prepared to die. That should be the opening of every marriage for a moment. Prepare to die. Now take hands. Because it's not about you anymore. That's why if you go into marriage thinking, what's in it for me, you're going into marriage for the wrong reasons. And you're looking for them to fulfill only what God can. Now, marriage is, yeah, they can be a wonderful gift, but we find out real quick that person can't be Jesus they can't meet our needs. And it's not about us anymore. We're going to share life. And it's seen in a greater reality when we have children. You're no longer your own, right? Moms, you can't even use the bathroom by yourself anymore. When you have little ones, we're going through that now. A new little one in the house. You can't just say, I'm going to take a shower and die. You take care of yourself. I'll be right back. You can't do it. I read something hilarious the other day. They said, I coffee with some of you guys' life. That was invented by moms. You know how it was invented by moms? They have kids, and then they would forget where they put their coffee, and they find it hours later, and they drink it, and it's ice cold. They're like, yeah, that's not too bad. Moms created ice coffee. It's constant. You're constantly dying to yourself. It affects your life. 
mom's pregnancy affected how he was. No, God. You know, I'm not, you know, I'm not saying I understand. Saying I had a, I've had a female. But pregnancy limits you, right? There's something, even, you know, when, when, you know, when at the beginning, when God gave them children, but later on, you know, they were having children before the fall, and then all of a sudden now childbearing is going to be painful. It's going to be, it's going to cost you. It's interesting, isn't it interesting that, and I'm not saying from experience, ladies, don't throw anything at birth feels like a death because of the pain that is endured. Men, please don't ever compare any pain that you've ever had to childbirth. That is just a mistake that you do not need to make. All right? That's, that's for free. Don't even go there. Well, one time I had a ingrown toenail and I could not But it, it feels like death. But here's how it reveals Jesus. To give us new life, Jesus died. To give us new birth. Isn't it interesting that he said, you must be born again to be saved? A new birth? Something happening in us? Birth is about a mom and a child, right? And, and Jesus says, Nicodemus, unless you're born again, you can't be saved. And so Jesus dies so that we can have new life. He dies so that we can be born again. Isn't that cool? And Mom's point to this reality. He gave us everything. And this is the revelation again of the fears that death gives, death to yourself gives life. There's a lady named Cheryl Anderson. Some of you guys might be familiar with this story, but it was kind of going on the internet some months ago. From England, 32 year old mom, and uh, two months into her pregnancy, she was diagnosed with inoperable cancer. And her doctor said, You need to start chemo treatments right away um, to have any chance of survival. And she said, Well, what about the baby? And they said, Well, that's just a risk that you'll have to take to save yourself because you have, you know, you can either get abortion or encourage them, maybe you can get an abortion because it will negatively affect the child. Um, you can take chemo and just see how the child responds, you know, or you cannot do chemo. And she chose number three. She said, I'm not going to do chemo because I, I want to save my baby. The day her little baby girl was born is the day that she died. But she refused to take chemo to save the life of the child. I mean, what a beautiful representation of what Christ did. He died so that we could have life. That's His love for us. And so motherhood reveals Christ in that it is death for yourself. Number two, motherhood is a daily sacrifice. You give up the rights to yourself if you're a mom. With your husband, you guys are the primary caregivers of your children. God gave them to you. He did not give them to someone else to raise, and it's going to be costly, right? Daily sacrifices. Kids are expensive, but they're worth it. They are still worth it. It's hard. Isn't it interesting that it says this? Jesus gave up the right to himself to come and rescue us. 
It wasn't for someone else to do. It was His mission. Jesus is the way that people want. And He came with His mission. He didn't expect someone else to do it. He's the only way. And you are the only mom to your children. That's why Paul wrote, writes in Philippians, you consider yourself uh, to others before yourself. And so motherhood is a daily sacrifice. Motherhood is a discipleship. This reveals the reality of Christ. Again, along with your husband, you are the chief disciple maker of your kids. You train them in things of God. You teach them to love and to follow Jesus, not someone else. Jesus modeled this by training His disciples day-to-day life. That's why sometimes He looked at them as we look at our children and He goes, how long do I have to put up with you? We feel like that sometimes. But He made a long-term, faithful, steadfast commitment to His disciples. Mom, with Dad, you are the chief disciples of your children. I think the new radical is faithfulness and steadfastness over a long period of time. Four, motherhood is hiddenness. It's the last one. Motherhood is hiddenness. Moms, most of what you do is not seen by people. It's when your children have a certain age, they don't appreciate it, right? You bring them into this world and have nothing to offer you. You know what I mean. They, their life is, an, is offered to you as a gift from God. But they, they constantly need you, right? There's demands for pie. Feed me, change my diaper. I'm going to cry and let you know about And maybe I'll just cry because then you, you're just in fear you're going to have to try to figure it out. Most of what you do, you're hidden. This is painting in general. You get a glimpse of what God feels like sometimes when we may not be very grateful. I love that Jesus came in humility and hiddenness, born in the stable. Hidden, hidden off inside, even how he came with his life in hiddenness. The Savior and the King who took on the nature of a servant, he didn't come to parade himself and be seen, but to be hidden. And this is how he came and how he lived. And I think moms, you reflect this in such great ways. Most of what you do is hidden. But Jesus, again, made a statement. We would think, well, you're the Messiah. You're the King. Wouldn't you parade yourself around and tell everybody who you are? And He just was who He was. And He let God reveal who He was. That He lived hidden as a servant. Being a mom is a humbling call. Most don't know what you do, and they won't know why you do it. Endless laundry, dishes, picking up that toy for the 8,000 times. The constant demands, meals, the interventions, the mediations, the medical care, the counseling. Saying things that you never thought would come out of your mouth, like, no, you may not collect your boogers. These are actual things that moms wrote. Let your sister out from underneath the couch cushions. Let's not eat things we find in her underwear. I hope she's not talking to her husband there. No, you may not paint the dog. Don't lick your sister. Don't lick the wall. We're in a public restroom. Please don't sit on his head. Do not bite the cat. Stop drinking your bath water. Eat your cereal and stop putting it in your pants. Did we ever think that those words would fly from our lips? As Jesus did things in hiddenness, moms, you do. 
However, you need to know something that God sees. God sees everything you do. That's why Jesus says, whatever you do in secret, the Father sees. Moms, God sees you. He sees every dish that you do. He sees every time that you wipe that nose. Because ultimately, you're doing it for Him. You're doing it for the Lord. That's why Paul says, whatever you do, do as unto the Lord. Changing that diaper is a high and holy calling. Don't diminish what God has called you to do. Your sacrifice is revealing Jesus to kids and to others. It's not a second-rate job. It's not a time where you're on the shelf until you can really make an impact for the kingdom and make a difference when your kids are all grown up. No, it's a high calling right now, and the stakes are very high. God speaks. Moms, God also sees your tears. The ones you cry wondering if you've done the right thing. The tears of regret that you have, wishing you would have done something different. The tearful prayers for your children that they're going to be okay. The tears of joy that you get being their mom. I love Psalm 56, what David says about God. Because you keep track of all my sorrows. You have collected all my tears in your bottle. You have recorded each one in your book. Mom's God sees every tear. He hears every prayer. He knows and He cares. And ultimately, motherhood reveals how much you need Jesus. You're going to fail, moms. Kids, your moms are going to fail. Husbands, your wives are going to fail. And so will you. But what Jesus is revealing in ultimately human relationships is you cannot do it without Him. And He doesn't want you to do it. He doesn't want you to figure out how to pull this off without Him. All human relationships are pointing to how much we need Jesus. You're not perfect. You make mistakes. But God is rich in mercy and grace and love for you. Don't live in guilt, shame, and condemnation. Run to Him. Your life is a testimony to your kids and to others around you. It's okay that they see you fail. It's okay that they see that you need Jesus. For the longest time, it was kind of this honorable thing that parents would pretend they had it all together. And don't tell your kids that you made mistakes. Don't tell your kids you're sorry because they might actually think that you're a failure. They know it. Believe me. It's okay to have them see you needing Jesus, needing redemption, needing to repent, needing forgiveness. Parenting, parenting isn't trying to be perfect for your kids, but to point them to Jesus. He is who they need ultimately. He loves them more than you do, Mom. His heart is for them more than you. He created them before the foundations of the earth, before they were formed in your womb. He knew them. I love the story in the Gospels where you know, the moms are bringing their children to Jesus. What a beautiful picture. And the disciples say, you know, don't bother him. He's tired or whatever. And Jesus says, no, 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 let those little children come to me. This beautiful picture. You not only have your moms who are going to Jesus and they're bringing their kids to Jesus. What a powerful word to you today, moms. Here's, what, here's the greatest revelation as a mother is you go to Jesus and you bring your kids with you. Because it says that He took them and He placed His hand on them and blessed them. What a great place is that we bring our families, we bring our children, we bring our homes into the hands of Jesus. And it's all about you. I'm not going to live in condemnation. Say, I need you, my children need you. And I'm going to bring them to Jesus. Will you stand with me?
Hey, bless your moms today. Bless the moms in your life today. Make sure they don't do any housework. No dishes. Give them a back rub. Give them a nap. <laughs> Saw one that says, uh, one lady says, I don't, I don't need any gifts this year. I just need a nap and to wake up with a house clean. That would be wonderful. Let's pray. God, thank you that, Lord, again, that as we talk about moms, we're so thankful for the moms here. Lord, again, I want to pray just specifically for people that may have hurt or pain, God, with whatever has happened to their mom. Maybe there was abuse and neglect. Maybe there was, Lord, relational breakdown. But, Lord, that you would heal every heart today, God, that maybe if, our, if we saw that our moms weren't perfect and our moms made mistakes, maybe our moms made some horrible mistakes, God, that we would see that, Lord, they need you. They needed you. And I pray, God, that today that we would all understand that human relationships are ultimately not about us. They are all about you and they reveal you, God. May our families, may our lives, may our marriages, let moms reveal you every day. Lord, I pray off and it just speak peace to our condemnation, guilt, shame that, that, that moms tend to walk around. Should have done that differently. I failed. I felt like I made huge mistakes. Lord, that they would run to you today and feel your grace. There's no condemnation for those that are in Christ, and your mom needs to hear that today. Jesus loves you. He cares about you. Run to Him and bring your kids with Him. Lord, we pray a blessing over our moms, a blessing over this day, and I'll be with you in Amen. God.